0: Well, good morning, church. I'm Reese. If we haven't met today, what I want to do is take us on in this series to look at what it means to have a prayer checklist a prayer checklist for making godly decisions in our lives. You see, often after we say amen, it is really challenging to exercise restraint and not take things into our own hands. Do you relate? Because we're kind of impatient, right? We give it to God the best way we know how. We say amen, and then we're just eager for progress in answered prayer. And it's hard for us to exercise restraint and to be patient. So a few years ago now, uh, my family, my, my two kids, Lily, my daughter, and Chase, my son, my wife, Stephanie, we went to one of the largest water parks in the US. And uh, the kids were having a ball. Now, my daughter, Lily, has always been the daredevil of our family. She's been the one on the roller coasters with her dad waving on the ground as she goes by, right? So this one particular day, I thought uh, I'll tell this story because we need a win for dads, right? So this one particular day, uh, we're at this uh, water park, and no one has gone on the mega slide yet, you know, like the longest, fastest slide. They have those intimidating names like, you know, the the, the bullet or the cyclone of death or whatever. And so uh, I said to the kids, hey, you know, what about we, we go up there? And uh, Lily says, all right, Dad. She knows. I've never gone on the roller coasters with her. So she's like, all right, Dad, I bet you you don't go up. I'll stand here and give accountability. So I was like, all right deal. So I took my son and we start climbing up this tower. He sees a lower one and I send him off because this journey had to be done alone. (laughs) And I continue to climb up and up. It starts to get quite uh, hard to breathe because the air is thinning out. It's so (laughs) high up and clouds start to gather around my feet, right? (laughs) I get up to the top platform and the lights are dimmed, and there is no one in line. It just kind of added to the intimidation of this slide, right? But then there was also no, like, lifeguard or no uh, park attendant at all. And and I look up on the wall and there's a monitor, you know, showing the camera of the landing pool, and that's also empty. (laughs) Well, now I'm like, no one is going on these mega slides, right? And uh, I've got my daughter down the bottom waiting for me. I can't wuss out. And so, you know, I, I, I wait around a little bit just to see if a, an attendant would come. I, I kind of put my head in the slide. And, you know, I like, all right. So I just decide I'm going to take things into my own hands. Now, one thing you need to know about me pertaining to this story is that uh, I have, like, claustrophobic fear of like being in closed spaces, right? And I hadn't thought this through at all, right? This this mega slide, the, the cyclone of death, was one enclosed slide all the way. So uh, I decided to take things into my own hands and I just jump in this slide and I go. Well, I'm going like to the second bend and it's about now that I'm feeling how incredibly enclosed I am. And I start having like just you know mild awareness that I'm in a plastic tube of death, um, but that's okay. I put it out of my mind. And the thing was, I wasn't going terribly fast at this point. Well, a couple of moments later, uh, the water that was carrying me just stops, and I come to a dead halt. And I'm I'm laying in this plastic ca- ca- canoe. <laughs> it's completely dry, and I'm completely stuck, and there is no water coming down. I'm only like about a third of the way down this stinking slide. So I think to myself, okay, well I haven't gone down that fast. Should I try and like shuffle my way up? Or like with my wet bathers, do I try and paddle my way you know, down this thing, right? Now you gotta understand, I'm, I'm having now a, a mild panic attack. I, I am moments away from walking up to St. Peter at the pearly gates. Now, get this though, for all of eternity, I have to tell everyone in heaven, how did you get here, Reese? I had a panic attack on a water slide. you imagine that's your story, right? Okay, so uh, after I was there, laying there still on this dry plastic, it occurs to me this might be the reason that there was no line, (laughs) right? So after three days and three nights buried in a water slide, Slight exaggeration. Uh, a little trickle starts, the, the water pump starts, but not the same volume to carry me, just a, like a little trickle. And so like with snail's pace, I just kind of make my way down the slide. I'm going so slow, when I get to the bottom, I actually have to launch my way into the <laughs> in, into the pool and, and take victory from my daughter, who's now so proud of her dad, you know. But it occurs to me that uh, I had taken things into my own hands. And the fact that this slide was under maintenance, I could have avoided this near-death experience, (laughs) but through impatience and wanting to move ahead, I just took things into my own hands. And often, in our prayer life, after we say amen, it's really difficult to exercise restraint because we wanna move forward, right? We wanna see God answer our prayers the way that we're desiring him to do so. And so today, I wanna introduce a checklist for us, things that we could go through after we say amen and therefore avoid taking things into our own hands. I was with a a business guy for lunch and he asked me uh, a really interesting question. He said, after..." I've prayed that, that, and, and given it to God the best way I know how, uh, after I've said amen, how do I know that it's God's desire for me to start this new business venture and take on this new business partner? Have you ever felt unsure of exactly what God desires you to do next? you sense the temptation to take things into your own hands in order to keep things moving. Maybe it's not a business venture, but a relationship that you've started that maybe you don't feel a piece about just yet. Perhaps it's the buying of of your first house, or maybe choosing a college, or changing a career. Now, I want to acknowledge in my study the work of Andy Stanley in his book, better decisions, fewer regrets, and I highly recommend that for further reading. But hearing and discerning God's voice after amen in decision-making can be tricky. Not because God's voice is hard to hear per se, but because we have so many interfering voices. And maybe the loudest is circumstances. It seems especially true in our Western culture. We hold... God's activity many times to simply our experience through our circumstances. This happened, therefore this means, in the words of Matthew McConaughey, green lights. When we are passionately praying for something and an opportunity aligns itself, we are no longer in an emotionally neutral environment. And that's where it's very difficult to exercise restraint. Do you relate with that? When you're no longer emotionally neutral. Drinking today by our Father's Day glasses, by the way. (laughs) Sponsored by our Father's Day. Uh, (laughs) Exercising restraint. Uh, When Steph and I were newlyweds, uh, we were on a pretty tight budget. And one day, Steph went to Target. (laughs) Anyway. She comes home with four new bath sheets. Now if you're not familiar with linen vernacular, the bath towel is the standard size towel with a standard price. The bath sheet is the extra large with the extra large price tag. Steph comes home with four bath sheets. So after a cup of tea, a conversation, we mutually agree that the towels will be returned due to our financial constraints. So. The day comes about that Steph will go back to her beloved Target and go to the return counter. The cashier takes her four towels and she gives her a cash refund for 12 towels. Circumstances. We had been praying for financial breakthrough. It (laughs) appears, it appears. that God saw Target's $19.6 billion profit and saw it fit to share it with Steph and I. (laughs) Circumstances. Sometimes it's difficult to exercise restraint. So Steph held the cash in her hand, (laughs) eight times the amount of what she was owed and she gave the money back. That's a story for another time. When we take things into our own hands, when we interpret God's activity through our circumstances, the temptation to compromise, to get ahead, is often justified by those very circumstances. Like returning four towels and getting cash for 12. The temptation to compromise. But church, an open door is not necessarily an invitation from God. An open door is not necessarily an invitation from God. Just like if there's a water slide doesn't mean you have to go down it. (laughs) I want to look at a, a, a guiding example in Scripture today in 1 Samuel 24. Now the background to this text is that Uh, The current king of Israel, King Saul, uh, is uh, growing increasingly envious and paranoid towards David, who had been anointed the incoming king after Saul. Because Saul was insecure in his perceived comparisons to David, he decides to try and get rid of David. And there are several attempts by Saul to kill off David, and it comes to the point where David now is on the run Hiding and is established uh, in a cave, some camp. Now, many men were also with him who were also at odds with King Saul. Some of them owed him money that they couldn't pay back, others were running from uh, criminal accusations, but they had all come to admire David's leadership, and there are about 600 in total now camping in the caves with David. 1 Samuel 24, verse 1, it reads, After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So, so Saul chose 3,000 special troops, 3,000, that's a paranoid man right there, from throughout Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding in that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today is the day the Lord was talking about when he said, I will certainly put Saul into your power to do with as you wish. Now, I want to get back into the text in a moment. But at this point, I want to start to introduce a checklist for us. Something that we can use to weigh against our circumstances in discerning God's leading in our lives. So with confidence after amen, when circumstances align, we have something of a checklist to guide us. And the first is the law of God. The law of God. Are the circumstances that we've been presented, the open door before us, is it against any biblical or moral law? See, here in the passage, David's men are highlighting to him that surely God is in these circumstances. The current king who is hunting you down to kill you has come into the very cave that you're in. He's unarmed and disrobed, and he's back to you, defenceless, and you can take him out right here, right now, and you'll go from on the run, hiding in a cave to living in the palace all in one day. But church, the law of God weighed against circumstances. The law wins. You see, it's always been against the law to murder the sitting king. Now in your life, know this, God will never contradict Scripture. If you have a circumstance in your life, an open door that causes you to compromise your discipleship to Jesus, then it is not God's invitation for you to walk through that open door. Back into the text. Then David crept forward and cut off a piece of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. The Lord knows I shouldn't have done it, he said to his men. It is a serious thing to attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David sharply rebuked his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. The Lord will decide between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me. But I will never harm you. The next thing to weigh your circumstances against is the principles of God. You see, King Saul is the Lord's anointed. What David is saying is, I will not replace what God has put in place. The principles of God weighed against circumstances, principles win. You see, David's heart for the throne is, I know God wants me there. I'm going to wait until God puts me there. How confident are you in your God? Enough not to compromise? No matter the circumstances. The the, the truth is, some of you are listening to me this morning And you are acutely aware of your circumstances that feel as if God is in them. And so I need you to lean in right now. I need you to listen to the part that is perhaps your circumstances dictating your decisions. Your circumstances dictating your behaviour. Your circumstances dictating your devotion to God. You see, no matter our circumstances, do not break God's principles and expect God's promises. Do not break God's principles and expect God's promises. Breaking His ways while still expecting His blessings. Can I just kind of increase the heat in the room for a moment? You see, some of you are spending no time reading your Bible and praying daily, whilst at the same time asking God to increase your faith and your spiritual life. Some of you are bad-mouthing and backstabbing friends, whilst at the same time asking God to send you wholesome spiritual friendships. Friendships. Some of you are running your business in some shady practices whilst at the same time asking God to send you more clients and increase your revenue. Some of you are engaging in intimacy outside the bounds of marriage whilst at the same time asking God to send you a spouse. You see, friends, we cannot... Break God's principles and expect God's promises. We are not called to be led by our circumstances. We have to weigh our circumstances up against something more than simply our interpretation of what's happening around us. The third, is the wisdom of God. Waste circumstances against wisdom. You see, in ancient times, how a king took the throne became part of their legend, their their reputation, their intimidation. You would wanna be known as a king who took the throne through some act of bravery or combat conquest. You would not wanna be the king who became king through a restroom encounter. In the text, for David, how wise is it for a wannabe king to kill the current king while he's alone in the bathroom? I was going to say, while the current sitting king is alone in the bathroom, but that felt inappropriate. (laughs) Stop laughing. That was wrong. (laughs) You guys are bad. That's not me. Uh, Circumstances don't outweigh the wisdom of God. Sometimes it's not immoral. It's not illegal. It's not hurting anyone. But it's just not the wise thing to do. Let me say that again. Sometimes it's not immoral, it's not illegal, it's not hurting anyone, it's just not the wise thing to do. So here's what I want to encourage us to do. For us to ask ourselves regularly, what would a wise, godly person do given the same circumstances? That could be a guiding question for our daily lives. What would a wise, godly person do given the same circumstances? circumstances. You see, in the, in the biblical text, in this story, later on, Saul is in battle and a, a lone enemy's arrow comes flying through the air and it passes by all other soldiers, including Saul's personal armour bearers that are surrounding him. And this arrow pierces before, between his armour and his neck and it wounds him so badly, he draws his own sword and falls on it. God is capable of getting you where he wants, when he wants. Weigh every opportunity against the law of God, the principles of God, and the wisdom of God. For we know the truth is, our circumstances can be really difficult to navigate. Sometimes, God is at work in the midst of our circumstances to encourage us. Some of you know that after uh, our Good Friday services here, uh, my wife and kids were driving home and they were in a terrible car wreck. And both cars were totaled. And I got a phone call to rush to the scene and and this is what I found. (laughs) By... God's kindness and his angels, there were seven people involved in the two vehicles and no one was hurt seriously, but my wife was hurt pretty badly. She's okay, she's got deep tissue injuries and so forth, still suffering headaches and so forth at the moment. But uh, she was taken by ambulance to uh, the ER and when they unloaded her and took her into the hallway to wait for a room, they ushered me in and uh, we didn't know whether she had any broken bones at this point, what was going on. And uh, she was in just a level of fear that just caused tears to run down her cheeks. And, and as a husband, I felt completely helpless, but I just held her hand. And we were there just a couple of moments when uh, the hospital security guard came around the corner. And uh, it's fairly narrow hallway, so I, I knew I needed to kind of lean in to allow him to go by, and at that point, uh, we got eye contact, and he said, Pastor Reese," and I said, Cody, you see, Cody attends our church, good morning, brother, (laughs) five days earlier than this was Palm Sunday. Cody had been talking for several weeks with Pastor Mike about being baptised and he was explaining, I, I work at the hospital every other weekend. And so Palm Sunday came and he was here at church and he just, he said, it's, it's, it's just time, I want to be baptised. And so Pastor Mike came to me and I said, look, the, the heater's not on in the baptistry, it'd be about 63 degrees if Cody's willing to jump in, I'll jump in with him. And, uh, and here's Cody's response to that, by the way, as uh, him coming freshly redeemed out of the water. So this was five days prior to this moment. But there's more. 90 minutes before this, an hour and a half before this, I was stationed over here in our Good Friday services uh, serving communion, and we had communion stations all around the room. And uh, this lady came up to me, her name is Diane, and she's Cody's wife, and she says to me, Pastor Reese, could I take uh, an extra communion because Cody's working security at the hospital tonight? So... Uh, Cody ushers us into a room in the ER. He's the security guard, by the way. He ushers us into a room and he just says, if you guys need anything at all, I'm just here for you. And uh, he said, I'm going to go do my security rounds, but I'm going to come back and just check on you. And we were there for about five hours and about every 30 minutes, the curtain would open and Cody would come in and... And say, you guys okay? Can I do anything for you? Cody was just an agent of hope for my wife and I. Just the sweetness of God to send a new hoper to be with us in our time. About, um, there's more. About four or five laps. So we've been there two and a half, three hours at this point. Cody comes in and he, he whispers to me, can I, can I pray for your wife? I said, of course. Well, Steph was pretty deep into morphine at this point and she just kind of like lifts her hand up and Cody takes her hand. And the brother prays the sweetest prayer for my wife. About halfway through the prayer, he opens one eye and he says to me, Steph, right? And I'm like, yeah, Steph. <laughs> He does a couple more laps, about an hour comes by, and he opens the curtains again and he comes in and, and he says, uh, Pastor Reese, I just want to give you a note. And this is the note he gave me. It says, Dear Reese, I just wanted to remind you, God is there in the good, bad, and ugly. I'm praying for you and your wife, Cody Mills. And he writes out a scripture in this note for my wife and I. And you see, some of you this morning are walking through some circumstances that are really challenging for you to discern God's direction for your life some really difficult, challenging things, and I wanna remind you that God is indeed sovereign. You may have given it to God the best way you know how, prayed and said amen, and now you've been waiting and waiting. Maybe you're a single person and your prayer is about not being single anymore. Perhaps you're in between employment, perhaps you're in a real financial bind, perhaps there is some practices at your workplace that are just not above board or with your boss and it's getting increasingly difficult for you to exercise restraint, you're tempted to take things into your own hands. your circumstances feel like they're aligning in such a way, you're not emotionally neutral and you desire this breakthrough in your life so deeply that you're tempted to compromise. Well, if that's you this morning, I wanna close by reading the scripture that Cody gave my wife and I in the ER that night. And if you're able, I wanna ask the whole church to stand to your feet. Cody writes from The Psalmist. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there if I rise up on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Friends, God is for you. And you will never be loved more by God than you are in this very moment. You see, the truth is, the one that knows you best loves you most. The one who knows your circumstances is intimately aware of what you're walking through. He knows you the best. And he loves you the most. So God in heaven, you tell us in Proverbs three that if we would trust you with all of our heart, if we would lean not on our own understanding of our circumstances, but in all of our ways, trust you. Trust you with our circumstances. Give you all of our trust to resist the temptation to compromise and to take things into our own hands then the promise of that Scripture, God, is that if we would trust You, lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge You, You will make our paths straight. And the truth that if You want us there, You can get us there. The breakthrough that many of us are praying through. God, You can get us there when You want us there. And so, Father, I pray Would you sow Proverbs 3 deep into our minds, our souls, and our hearts this week that we would live in a surrender to you. No matter our circumstances, we refuse to compromise. We will wait on the one who is sovereign and all-powerful and all-able and capable to bring our breakthrough. We love you, Jesus. We pray this prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all agreed, said... Amen.